Hey everyone, as the holidays approach and we're all juggling travel, family, and friends, we're taking a short production break. We'll be back in full swing on the podcast in January, but rest assured there will be no lapse in us actually working on Debbie's case in the meantime. Before we go, we want to share a few important updates with listeners. If you listened to our last episode, you know that George and I recently met with the producer of CrimeCon, Kevin Balf. And for those of you who don't know, CrimeCon is the biggest true crime conference in the world and is held annually in the U.S. The next conference will be held in Las Vegas from April 29th through May 1st and is expected to have 5,000 people in attendance. Jennifer and I are very familiar with CrimeCon as we were selected as presenters at the 2021 conference to provide insights into our work and crowdsourcing on the murder case we worked on, that of Rebecca Gould, who was murdered in Arkansas in 2004. We'd written to Kevin and his staff about our work on Debbie's case, as well as our production of this podcast. In our email, we explained that we had met Liz Flatt, Debbie's sister, at CrimeCon this year and learned about her case. We hoped CrimeCon would be interested in our work and in featuring Break the Case on Podcast Row, which is a section of the conference where hosts of true crime and investigative podcasts meet with attendees and discuss cases they're working on. It greatly assists in getting more awareness and coverage for unsolved murders and missing persons. Kevin responded to us within just a day to set up a Zoom meeting. I absolutely love what you guys are doing. I think it's so important to figure out how to bring average people into some of these cold cases instead of just talking about these cases to them. And I think you guys are really trying to break down that wall and and letting people get an inside look and really help. It's something that we focused on a ton. And I've gotten a lot of law enforcement to finally acknowledge that they understand how helpful people can be with the right case and the right set of skills using all these incredibly diverse experiences that we have. So I love it. I'm so excited. I would love for you guys to be in Vegas. So if you're willing to come, Let's do it. You guys are on podcast row. Let's get you there talking about the pod and hopefully get you a whole bunch of new listeners and and new amateur investigators to help out uh, not only on this case, but on all the other ones you'll do in the future. We were humbled by Kevin's offer. And not only did he extend the opportunity for us to be on podcast row, we were also working with his staff on two other initiatives, one being an hour long presentation on Debbie's case at CrimeCon. For listeners interested in attending CrimeCon, whether in person or virtually, tickets can be purchased at CrimeCon.com and use our special promo code BREAK to get a 10% discount. The second initiative Kevin offered up, and which we readily agreed to, was for George and me to be hosts of a new cold case investigative effort sponsored by CrimeCon's partner, CrimeHQ. We will be hosting live weekly discussion sessions starting Tuesday, January 18th at 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Crime HQ website, which can be found at crimehq.com. This website provides members hundreds of hours of videos from experts in the fields of forensics and investigations, opportunity to attend live presentations by some of these experts, discussion forums on unsolved murder and missing persons cases, and more. Debbie's case will be the featured case for this new series of presentations hosted by George and me, leading up to CrimeCon in Las Vegas next year. Our live sessions will focus exclusively on our reinvestigation of Debbie's case with the intent of audience members joining us in seeking justice for Debbie and her family. There will be ample opportunity for audience interaction as well as live question and answer sessions. CrimeHQ does require a small monthly or annual fee, but is currently offering new members their first month free if they sign up by Christmas. 
In the meantime, we're continuing to reach out to various experts who can help us dissect and analyze Debbie's case. One of those recent conversations I had was with Mindy Montford of the Texas State Cold Case and Missing Persons Unit. Listeners remember that the Lubbock PD recently teamed up with this group of experts to conduct a full reinvestigation of Debbie's case and bring her killer to justice. Although the details of exactly what they're working on in the case are confidential for now, Mindy provided me some great insight into the operations and resources her team can provide to law enforcement agencies throughout Texas. So Mindy, I just want to thank you so much for joining me today. Tell the audience a little bit about your background and credentials and how you came to be part of the cold case and missing persons unit at the Texas state level. My name is Mindy Montford, and I'm the senior counsel for the Cold Case and Missing Persons Unit in the Attorney General's Office for the state of Texas. I've been in criminal law since law school, and so that would have been not to date myself here, but back in uh, 95, 96, I was invited to serve as the first assistant district attorney back in the office where I started there in Travis County. From 2017 up until uh, 2021, working in that DA's office. During that time, I got to work with the Austin Police Department cold case unit, and we formed a partnership where we would assign prosecutors to their cold cases. During that time, I realized that we started talking to agencies outside of Texas for assistance on some of our big cases. And we learned that there were labs and genealogists and other resources that we had never heard of. And so that sort of sparked the idea that if Austin, Texas, which is a pretty good sized city with a good police department, hadn't heard of some of those resources, then I'll bet a lot of PDs around the state hadn't heard of them either. Sure. So we took the idea over to the AG's office and said, you know, it seems there really should be a statewide unit that could provide these resources for local police departments and connect them and network so that they would know what was out there. And Attorney General Paxton loved the idea, and he brought me on to start the unit. Uh, That was in March of this year. So it's brand new, but we have, I think, come a long way in that short of a time. And we're only just now starting to open our doors to actually take cases. And so how does an agency team up with you guys? The AG's office cannot independently start an investigation into a cold case. So a local police department or a local prosecutor's office would have to contact us and say, hey, we'd like your assistance on this case, or we'd like you to take over the investigation. So we can kind of do it in a variety of ways. We can assist as needed, or we can actually take over the entire investigation. It's up to the local agency. And so we're trying to get the word out by a number of ways. We sent a survey out this summer, and we had about 400 agencies respond, and over 90% said they did not have either a cold case unit or detectives that were full-time assigned to cold cases. They also indicated they would really like to have a statewide unit to provide these resources. And one of the other things they really wanted was training. We just hosted a training last week where a private lab from Florida came and talked about new methods in DNA technology and other types of technology, things that had really improved in forensics. And 
the other really great thing that we're doing is providing funding for some of this testing. You know, there are a lot of police departments out there who do not have the resources for DNA testing. And so we're saying, don't just shelf that case, bring it to us, let us review it. And if it qualifies under our terms, then, you know, we're happy to assist with funding for that Mm -hmm. testing. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's so great to hear. We would really love at some point to have a private portal for law enforcement to access so that they can talk to each other about cases that may be similar. We'd also like to offer a a family support link, which we already have on the website, but we'd like to really increase that capability as well, where family members can offer support to each other. Absolutely. I've seen the value of the different types of victim advocacy services to bring victims together. And it's not just the primary victim, but the family members are secondary victims to all of these crimes. The value of bringing some of those people together, like you said, so that they can have that support from others that understand what they're going through. No, that's crucial. and, And I think there is a need for that. I really do. Indeed. So how big is your team? I mean, how big is your unit, I should say? I tell you, um, we are not mighty in numbers because we are brand new. But Mm -hmm. we unfortunately started right after the legislative session or right in the middle of it. And in Texas, the legislature only meets every other year. But we hope at that point to ask for some permanent funding. We're looking at grant opportunities. The great thing about the AG's office and why this was such a good fit is that they already have a criminal investigation team in place. They've got investigators throughout the state. We have right now one full-time detective devoted just to cold cases. We hope to expand that, obviously. But again, we have the whole support of the AG's office behind us, which is great because if you have to collect evidence or you issue subpoenas, talk to witnesses, again, we have investigators located throughout the state to assist us with that on a moment's notice. And that's really a great thing. And I think that's what makes this the perfect place to have a statewide unit. One of the other things we're doing that I'm really excited about, we just created a retired homicide investigators task force. And the idea behind it is to have an elite group of really solid, experienced homicide investigators who, and I'm talking, these people have over 20, 30, even 40 years of experience in law enforcement and obviously in homicide investigations specifically. They've retired and since moved on, but they want to still stay involved. They want to still use their skills. And so when cases come into our office, we're actually going to assign each case to one of these task force members. And again, this is volunteer. They are volunteering their time, which is amazing. And they're so invested in it. They're really excited to dig into these cases. And Mm -hmm. I think the other cool thing about having these people look at these cases is we can't underestimate the value of just good old-fashioned police work, too. You know, DNA is solving cases every day now, and we certainly want to look at that. But also witnesses that may need to be re-interviewed or maybe were never interviewed. And it's not really to grade papers or to look back and say, oh, you should have done this. It's definitely not that. This is something that just puts a fresh pair of eyes on a case. And especially looking at it in 2021 or 2022, as opposed to maybe 1986. Exactly. And that's actually what my investigative partner, George, and I are doing in Debbie's case right now. And Jen, Um, I don't know if you even know, but we 
through our research, we found out there's over 19,000 unsolved homicides in the state of Texas alone. I saw that on your website. That's pretty daunting number. That's astounding. Yeah. Well, there's 269,000 across the country now. <laughs> that's exactly it's, right. And of course, those numbers were as of 2019. So I right. don't even know. You know, I need to probably look at that next year and see where we are there. Yeah. I mean, it seems insurmountable, but I think with units like yours, those numbers are going to hopefully get tackled. (laughs) Yes. I hope you're right. That's our hope. (laughs) So with regards to cases like Debbie's that are decades old, what's your team's vision on what resources you can offer up? Well, for example, we had the training last week and that lab at least told us that look, if you have had reports come back from the 70s and 80s that have certain language, you know, inconclusive and mm-hmm. um, you know, not able to be tested, look at them again because, you know, technology really has changed. And so, you know, that is something that I think you ought to look back on your evidence and anything that you've got in storage, pull it back out, mm-hmm. try it. You know, a lot of these are solved by a Hail Mary. We're just going to try one more thing, you know, one more time. And you, you can get results. And to be clear, your services can be utilized by any size agency in the state, correct? That is right. Okay, so That's it doesn't matter true. if it's actually Austin PD or if it's a tiny, tiny little town. They Any of them <laughs> no, can it doesn't. reach out to you for assistance. That's great. Yes, and I, I think, you know, one of our goals was to help those smaller PDs who really don't have the, sure. you know, employees and the manpower and the funding. But yes, we're here to help whatever agency, whatever size. I think we're all in this together. And the goal is to hopefully provide these families with answers. And I think that's an important point to clarify, too, is when people talk to you about what is success, I don't know that that's necessarily a conviction. You know, I think to these families, from what I've heard from them, they just want the case not to be forgotten. Yes. And if you are pulling that case off the shelf and giving it a fresh pair of eyes and you're reviewing it ever so often, that is success to a lot of those families. They just don't want their loved ones forgotten. And so I think we have to really define success in a different way than, you know, just a a justice and a conviction. So that's why I think just having this unit as a resource is half the battle. Yeah, for sure. Do you know if there's other units like yours in other states? Have you heard of any other states that offer up a similar resource? When we started this, we actually reached out to several states and their, their attorney general's offices to see if they had these units. It really looks as though most of the cold case units out there are within a specific police department or a DA's office. We really couldn't find many on the statewide level. Ohio actually had the best model. I think they do a great job. I think they do it right. They've shared with us a lot of their protocols and and policies that we've incorporated and they've had successes as well but we really did not find on a statewide level that there were units such as this i think again they're mainly in departments across the united states Mm -hmm. and we did talk to many of those local departments and they told us if you just start looking at some of these cases where dna was never utilized right off the bat you're going to have some success stories so We'll be, of course, looking for those cases out there that that just need funding for testing that was never done. Sure. Well, no matter what, you guys, I think, are setting a great precedent. And I I have to imagine other states are going to follow suit at some point. It would be great. 
So out of curiosity, aside from the um, section of retired homicide detectives, do you ever expect to accept any other type of volunteers? I've had a couple people ask me, like, could I volunteer for this unit? You know, I, I we get emails about that, too. I just would love to volunteer my time. Mm-hmm. I think once we get this thing off, you know, lift off and, and we've had some cases under our belt and we know kind of what the vision is moving forward, I think we should look at that. I really do. I think, you know, what you're doing out there and other podcasts, other people who, you know, really have a passion for these cases, I, I, don't, I don't think we should not pay attention to that. I mm-hmm. think that, you know, at some point you, you should incorporate as many volunteers as you can. We just would have to make sure it's in an organized fashion. Yeah, obviously there would have to be some vetting process in that. Right. So Mindy, I just want to thank you so much for joining me today and giving us some fantastic insight into the work that your unit is doing. And I can't thank you enough for all of it. Uh, you're so welcome. And thank you for highlighting it. Definitely. Really appreciate that. Definitely. I look forward to keeping in touch with you and talking to you in the near future. Let's do it. There are so many exciting developments happening in Debbie's case. We're hopeful that the new year will bring resolution to her case and long-awaited justice for Debbie and her loved ones. We'll be back in your feed on January 14th with more insight from experts who are helping us and we'll provide more updates on progress in the case. To keep up with our work in the meantime, please remember to join our Facebook group titled Unsolved Murder of Deborah Sue Williamson. You can also follow us on Twitter at the handle BreakTheCaseAMU. Tips about Debbie's case can be sent to tips at justicefordebbie.com. Anyone reporting tips to this email has the right to remain confidential. And of course, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Thank you for listening, and we wish you and your loved ones a safe, healthy, and happy holiday season.